This is James from Podcast.co, and you're listening to Meet the Podcasters, a series where we sit down with podcasting experts to discuss how the industry is changing and what it takes to create a successful show that stands out among the noise. In this interview, we speak with Sky Pillsbury, who writes the Inside Podcasting newsletter from Inside.com and also hosts a podcast of the same name. So first of all, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Sky. You've been running the Inside Podcasting newsletter from Inside.com for a while now, which is a fantastic daily resource for anyone looking to keep up with the latest developments in podcasting. But in addition, you also launched the Inside Podcasting podcast this summer. So in this conversation, I wanted to focus in on your experiences so far in terms of putting the show together, because I think that will be really useful for anyone else out there who's thinking about starting their own podcast. And to be honest, for me as well, actually, because this is something I'm fairly new to as well. Um, But Mm -hmm. before we get into that, could you give us a brief outline of your career so far and how you came to take on managing the Inside Podcasting newsletter? Sure. So I come from the the tech industry. I have a technology background um, and I manage communications for mostly internet startups for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably dating myself a bit there, but um, I started in the mid-90s and uh, did that for many years and really loved it. Um, for probably the first 10 years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then um, after that time, I just realized that uh, while I was still interested in technology, the communications part of it, I I think any good publicist after doing that for 10 years, it's something that you can you can kind of do in your sleep. And hmm. I found that I was having a lot of the same kinds of strategic conversations and that my learning curve had flattened out a bit. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I think the industry landscape had changed. There were a lot of people who I was having conversations with who were in the industry for reasons that were different than when I started. So people who wanted to turn things around real quickly and make a lot of money, for example. So Mm -hmm. the conversation started being more about, you know, a quick exit and an IPO instead Mm of changing the world and having an impact. And Mm -hmm. that was, that was disappointing for me. And I just started, my passion for it started to wane. And at that same time, I was, becoming very passionate about listening to podcasts. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I I had earbuds in my ears all the time. And, you know, to the point where it was e- becoming a slightly a problem within my family <laughs> life. <laughs> my husband and eventually my children uh, felt that, you know, I, I, I needed to have some boundaries around podcast listening. Mm-hmm. I was sort of fitting it into all the spaces in my life that were not attached to my work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would put the kids to bed and then I would start researching podcasts and researching the industry. And for some reason, I was just really, really drawn to it. And so that led me to subscribe to quite a few podcast newsletters, including mm-hmm. Inside Podcasting, which at that time didn't have a byline. There wasn't anyone who was, you know, there wasn't, it was more of a generic presentation of 
what the news was that week. And mm-hmm. I, they had sent out a copy of the newsletter and at the top of it said, hey, we're looking for a writer for this. And I wrote back, you know, thinking, well, I, I've never written publicly, although I had done lots of ghost writing for clients mm-hmm. um, and lots of other kinds of writing. To be a good publicist, you do need to know how to write. Mm-hmm. So I wrote back and said, sort of on a whim, like, I can help you guys out, not thinking that that would really lead to a, a, a paid gig, which it very quickly did. And I loved the fact that I could write that newsletter, but infuse some of my own personality into it. And I also loved the back and forth with the readers. So, you know, I started asking the readers to, hey, what do you think about this? What's your opinion? Mm -hmm. And that helped me learn so much more than I could just based on the news that I was looking at and whatever was happening on social media or discussions on Reddit, I found that when readers would respond, and often they were industry people, uh, that that enriched my experience and my, uh, my understanding of the industry so much more. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think that that back and forth really helped sort of build that audience. I think that when, when you have a journalism mechanism for like a feedback loop, it becomes mm-hmm. a much more interesting uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. So, so, at, at, so that's sort of what brought me, what brings me to this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, how long were you actually managing the newsletter before the, the, the podcast came about? Well, uh, let's see. I started the newsletter. I started writing. It's been over a year. And then Mm -hmm. I started thinking about the podcast, I think, maybe last April or May. Mm -hmm. And then it came about pretty quickly. I I started scheduling interviews for May and June, I think. Mm -hmm. May, June, and July. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This past year. And I was just interested to know, um, what was it that first prompted you to kind of get behind the microphone instead of the keyboard um, and, and actually mm-hmm. start the podcast? Yeah, so I, I, okay, so what prompted me to do that was the fact that my boss, the person who owns Inside.com, and what you should know if you, or what your listeners or readers should know if they don't already, is that my newsletter is part of the Inside.com newsletter network. So we mm-hmm. produce newsletters on all sorts of topics. So there's Inside Trump and Inside San Francisco or Inside mm-hmm. Boston or whatever. And um, so my newsletter was obviously Inside Podcasting. But the person who started the Inside.com network is Jason Calacanis. And he's a relatively well-known angel investor in Mm -hmm. these parts, especially Silicon Valley, but also, you know, investment circles worldwide. And he is the host of two of his own podcasts. One of them is called This Week in Startups. And he had asked me to guest on that podcast uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, five or six months before I started thinking about doing a podcast of my own. Mm-hmm. But in guesting on his podcast, I had seen his studio. So I knew that we had this studio as part of Inside.com. I work from home, but I had driven into his podcast studio in San Francisco, which is like 20 minutes away, to guest on his mm-hmm. podcast. And I just, that started, a, you know, that a little voice in my head said, hey, they we have this podcast studio. It's pretty nice studio and it's not being used all the time and so it just felt like this natural opportunity and Mm -hmm. so I ran the idea past um, 
a person who works at Inside, not Jason at that time, but he was sort of like Jason's secondhand man. And mm-hmm. he loved the idea. And within 24 hours, he had shared the idea with Jason and I was getting texts and slacks from Jason saying, we should do this. This is a great <laughs> idea. And that was wonderful and also uh, scary because yeah. I did not know what I was doing. I had never hosted anything in my life. I'd never... Um, you know, I'd certainly never recorded a podcast of my own. So uh, while it was exciting, it was also a little bit terrifying. Hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I was interested in because you were you were doing all this writing work and you were kind of embedded within the podcast industry. And I was mm. just wondering, obviously, it's a completely different skill set when you're talking about running a podcast um versus writing a newsletter but I was just wondering if there was any carryover from what you were doing with the newsletter to actually running the show you know I I really love this question because uh I I think that I don't know you tell me my expectation is that people think that the answer is going to be yes mm-hmm. and and really the answer <laughs> is is no I mean it you know there's no doubt that writing about newsletters helped me understand more theoretically about the making of podcasts or the or certain strategies that seem to work for different marketers mm-hmm. uh, you know in getting the word out about your podcast but it did not help me in understanding how to make the podcast you know I mm. still had no understanding of like what are downloads what do they mean what is a you know I knew I knew theoretically what a web hosting what a podcast hosting service was but I'd never seen one I'd never signed up for one so mm-hmm. well and I'm so grateful now that I've gone through this process because now it's actually worked better in the reverse so now that my first season of inside podcasting has wrapped now when I'm writing the newsletter and I'm writing about issues like downloads or what have you I have a much better understanding of what people Mm. are talking about but Mm. I would say that the other way it wasn't actually that helpful you have to do it in order to understand what in the world you're doing you know Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you can't you can't understand it until you're doing it. It's sort of like going to, you know, school. Like you don't understand what school is going to be like until you're there. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to explain to someone, well, you sit at desks and you listen to a teacher. I mean, until you're actually going to school, you don't really understand what that picture is. This is kind of the same. And in a lot of ways, I did look at this as sort of going to school. It was an education for me mm-hmm. um, and still continues to be for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the same with most things in life, I suppose. Yeah, you you can theorize about it so much, but until you actually do it, that's where the real experience um, kicks in. Yeah, um, exactly. So when it came to kind of um, selecting guests for your first show, were there people that you had um, for your first season? Sorry, were there people that you had in mind immediately that you thought I want to talk to this person to this person? Um, Yes, yes, there were. Uh, the first person I wanted to speak with was Madeline Barron, who was the host of In the Dark. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just enthralled by the work that they had done in that podcast. And if your readers or listeners aren't familiar, it's an investigative podcast uh, that looks at really the institution how institutions um, have failed us within the justice system. And so it's some people think of it as true crime, but really what it is is an investigative look at um, institutional failure. And I just found that 
um, that approach uh, really compelling. Mm -hmm. And I think that Madeline is just an incredible, and her team, she's got an incredible team. Um, and, And I just... I wanted to get under the hood of how something like that is made. And so I reached out to her first uh, just because of my own personal passion around that show and was totally shocked when uh, she said (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, And and that was one of the moments where it really felt real because I felt like, you know, talking to someone of her stature, you know, this is someone who, you know, she had won a Peabody Award for the first season and she won, uh, she continued to win, you know, prestigious awards um, for that show and for both seasons of that show and just get incredible reviews from The New Yorker and folks like that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, no way. And, but then once I had a date on the calendar, it was like, okay, I'm actually doing this. That was mm-hmm. one of those moments where you just think, okay, I'm jumping off the cliff with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then, you know, actually everyone who I interviewed that first season and, and everyone who I planned to interview, we're going to do a season two. I, I don't know if it'll go beyond that or not. Um, you know, it is very, it, it can be grueling work, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, just everyone who I've interviewed, I've loved talking to. And I want that to be, I, I don't want to interview people who I don't have a passion around. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that really shows up in the interview. If you don't care, your Mm -hmm. listeners are going to hear it. And so I've found that that's really important for me to have my own curiosity and my own passion is really important. Now there, (laughs) there can be an argument made the other way. I've had someone at the inside team try to convince me to interview a particular podcaster who's in a genre um, that I'm not passionate about. Mm -hmm. And his argument to me, and I am actually considering this, his Mm -hmm. argument to me is, hey, make the conversation, make that part of the conversation. Like, why should people listen to you? Why is this an interesting topic? Why is what you're doing important for the national popular culture zeitgeist? Mm -hmm. And so I am actually considering doing that. Um, But that would be a real switch for me in how I was thinking about my podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone I've reached out to has been someone that I just personally have so many questions about and really want to talk to. So that's a possibility. I don't know for season two or beyond. I have not actually reached out to this person yet. I'm still mulling it over. Mm. Um, You know, I'd love to hear from people who read or listen to this um, what they what they think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult. Um, I, I can. T- it is a bit of a conundrum to side in. But I suppose um, sometimes it can be interesting if there is um, some kind of confrontation or conflict in the interview, or if there is pushback from either side. Um, I can see the argument that that sometimes is, um, if it's a constructive conversation, if it's just two people going back and forth and arguing. It's oh yeah, and I wouldn't have any interest really in having a conflict. It's more mm-hmm. like it would be an exploratory discussion, like why you know tell me about what you've created and why people love it so much you know i i in the podcast i haven't wanted to throw people under the bus you know i really to me this podcast is really my love letter in a way to podcasts Mm -hmm. um and, and i would want that to stay true even if i was talking to someone who 
you know, not everyone, like, you know, not everything isn't for everyone. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we have to have a conflict over it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so one of the things that I was interested to find out, um, all the people that you've spoken with obviously are highly successful um, with their own podcast. And I was wondering in your conversations with them um, through the interviews, if you did identify if there was any commonalities in the way that they approach podcasting or is there something that you identified that this is kind of what um, the the character traits that that fuel success in podcasting? Hmm. Well, I would say a couple of things. Mm -hmm. One is that every person I talk to was just as passionate about what they were doing as I was about talking to them. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, so that maybe is not the most groundbreaking <laughs> answer because obviously, you know, if I'm going to be talking to people, I'm talking to them because I can feel their enthusiasm. I would mm-hmm. definitely say they love what they're doing. Um, you know, Matt, uh, no, sorry, not Madeline, but, um, uh, Martine Powers, who hosts mm. Post Reports, has mm-hmm. this lo- has had a love for podcasts for so many years, and de- has described experiences to me where she sort of gets lost in the listening, just like I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I loved that element of hearing her talk about the podcast that really put her into what she calls a state of bliss. Mm-hmm. A st- sorry, a, a state of bliss. Um, so there was definitely that. There's one other thing that I noticed about the people that I was booking that I do not, to be clear, I do not think that this is a requirement to have a good podcast, Mm -hmm. but it was more something I noticed about myself, which was that after I had booked everyone, I realized that almost every person I had booked, not everyone, but almost all of them had a journalism background. Mm -hmm. That probably says more about my own taste in podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know, I I tend to... um, I tend to be drawn to nonfiction podcasts, although mm-hmm. I did interview Ian Chillog, who the host of Everything is Alive, and his podcast sort of, um, it's sort of a hybrid in a way of nonfiction and fiction, and I love that podcast. So, you know, um, and he's really, he started in radio and um, and sort of went up the ladder that way. Um you know, whereas most of the other people I spoke with had been print journalists to begin with. So that was something I just noticed about myself. And I'm actually trying to change that up for season two. Um, Mm -hmm. I can already tell you, I will have one person in season two who comes from more of a fictiony background or Mm -hmm. a love for fiction podcasts background. Mm -hmm. Um, I always want to have something, um, fiction-ish in each season Mm -hmm. um, because I know that that is a genre that's growing and that's important and I I want people to hear from hear from those voices Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was just interesting to me that I hadn't even noticed it until I had booked everyone Mm. Um, I also am really hoping in season two to have more um, diversity uh, than I did in season one I I did have uh, LGBT people in season one and I and I had um, people of color, but I, but not enough. And so I'm really hoping to switch that up as well in mm. season two. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, podcasting is a pretty. It's not the most diverse um, industry, but that's the. It's something that with tech in general, um, the 
there is a a problem with diversity across the board. Um, Yeah, we can all do better. And I've realized that, you know, I I did reach out to more people than um, participated in season one who would have represented more diversity in that season. And I am trying to be even more intentional uh, this, you know, with planning out season two. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel good about where I am so far, but I, I want to, I, I, I definitely want to turn that up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so I just want to kind of move on to get uh, from your experience so far and putting season one together and planning season two, um, just to get some kind of advice for other people who are thinking about starting their own podcast. So mm-hmm. one thing I know from personal experience is that um, recording interviews or scheduling interviews, it can induce a bit of anxiety, and there is a temptation there to try and uh, to try and prepare and to try and control the situation. But with an interview, you can't really be a hundred percent prepared because the com- each conversation follows its own path. Um, so I was wondering if you would have any advice to aspiring podcasters who are feeling this anxiety uh, about uh, reaching out to these people and interviewing them, interviewing them. Sorry, uh, how they should approach that. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. I think that that is a, that can create a lot of anxiety. You are absolutely 100% right, and I was no exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing I'd say is, again, follow your own curiosity. Reach out to the people that you actually want to talk to mm-hmm. because that is going to be your North Star in your interview. If you talk to people who you care about, that will help you, uh, that will help adjust a lot of that anxiety for you because it will become, in the best case scenario, you'll be able to transcend that anxiety with your curiosity. Mm-hmm. If you are inter- interviewing someone who you don't care about and it's the first time you've done it, then the anxiety is even higher because mm-hmm. you can't sort of tap into, wait, why am I having this conversation? What do I love about what this person's doing? Mm-hmm. That's a really helpful thing during an inter- interview to just hang on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes helps you forget that you have this anxiety sort of in the mm-hmm. back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I'd say is reach out to people you genuinely care about, famous or not, w- reach out to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I prepped for interviews was, you know, I did, it's time consuming. So here's another piece of advice. If you are planning to interview people, don't do it in quick succession if this is your first time. Mm-hmm. Leave enough time in between interviews for you to prep or do or leave enough time before you even start that process to prep um, because you're going to want to not feel frantic. Like feeling like you are short on time and you have to prep just is a recipe for disaster. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, really dive into that person's background, listen to their podcast or whatever. Obviously, they might not have a podcast. In my case, all of the people I'm talking to have podcasts. Mm-hmm. Dive into mm-hmm. their work. Read, try to read the book if you can that they've written. Um you know, listen to them in other interviews to see, A, what are they interested in? What are they passionate about? And also to try to come up with other things to ask them. If you're Mm. asking them the same questions that everyone else has, you're probably going to get a rehearsed answer. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is listen for what they are, what they have been asked. Then what I try to do is take those questions and ask 
one step further. Hey, I've heard that you've said this. I heard you say this. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, you know, what, you know, go, go, go one step further. So you've mm-hmm. said this, mm-hmm. but I didn't really get a sense of this. You know, you yeah. said X, how about Y? Um, so that you convey what they've already said, and they also know then that you've you've actually listened to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to write out all my questions, even if I'm not going to take them into the interview with me. Because in mm-hmm. the best case scenario, you're not going to be just reading your que- questions off. You're going to mm-hmm. start the conversation with questions, and then your guest is going to take you on a journey. Um, yeah. And you should follow their lead with that. So, I mean, those are thing it's it's hard to get to that point where you feel confident not bringing in your questions your Mm. questions feel like a security blanket but trust me when I say that if all you do is read off those questions um the interview is isn't going to get you to the place that you want to get to which is some area of depth with Mm -hmm. that person that you're talking to yeah yeah that makes sense um so you said that the the editing process, you mentioned um, you weren't doing the software side of things, but you kind of mm-hmm. decided that you were going to uh, make the decisions about um, what needs to be put where. And yeah. I was just wondering how, how you approached that. And were you recording very long interviews and then chopping them down considerably? Or what was that process like? Yeah. <laughs> I sort of sigh because that was the most time-consuming part of this process. I thought going into it that the longer I talk to someone, the better because I will have a lot of options. And I am hoping not to talk to people quite as long for season two. And it's not because I'm not interested in them, but Mm -hmm. I think I have a better sense now of what I want to get from these interviews. It takes a while to figure that out. And I talked to people, some people for over two hours. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have my episodes between 30 and 45 Mm -hmm. minutes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the opposite is true in terms of efficiency. Like, yes, you'll have lots of options, but you'll also have lots of complications. Because if you want to include this part that's towards the end... But it references, you know, your guests references something that they said in the beginning that you want to take out. Well, Mm. how do you adjust for that? Mm. It can create this very complicated puzzle. Mm -hmm. In a way, it becomes sort of this narrative. You know, you have to, even if you're doing interviews, it still has to feel like a narrative arc in some way. It can't Mm -hmm. just be disjointed questions. So you're still sort of having to think about, okay, what is the narrative arc here? How do I pull these things together that are the most important, the best parts of my interview, but that fit together in a way that makes the conversation feel like it just flowed. Mm -hmm. And I think that we did, I I have to say, I am really proud of that. I think Mm -hmm. that um, along with my editor, who I want to give a shout out to, Michael Sorg from Sidekick Media Services, you know, we did figure that out. And I I feel like it was a labor of love. I mean, I Mm -hmm. spent I can't tell you how many hours I spent re-listening and re-listening and changing things back, taking things Mm. out, putting them back in. I mean, it was, as I said, it was a labor of love. And But I'm hoping to not go through as grueling of a process for season two now that I've had some practice and understand what I'm going for. I think that I'll be able to be more directed in my discussions. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping to talk to people for maybe an hour and cut that down to 30 to 45 minutes. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see yeah. how well I do with that yeah, on the yeah. next go around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be tricky trying to, to keep it concise. Um, yeah. And, and I'm literally like the edits I'm making are like at 1343, you know, end and move up to 1602. <laughs> you know, it's that level that you yeah. have to do if you want it to really feel natural and flow. Yeah makes sense so beware beware podcasters yeah um so I'm, I'm mindful of your time nice guy and i just wanted to kind of wrap it up um just with a few um takeaway questions so first of all we've kind of covered some important points that you've already gone over um in terms of dealing with anxiety and addressing your your own editing process but is there anything else any other key pieces of advice that you would give to people who are, who are starting out um, with their own podcast, is there anything else? There might not be, but I mean, gosh, there's so much advice you can give a new person. Um, I would say, you know, spend time studying other people who are doing something similar, who are leaving their listeners with the kind of feeling that you want to leave listeners with, mm -hmm. whether or not the format is the same or not. Mm -hmm. Study that, but don't try to imitate it. Mm -hmm. Because I did that, and I talk about this in my podcast. I talk about how I tried to sound like one of my radio heroes. And you aren't whoever you admire and mm -hmm. you have your own voice and it took me a little while to figure out oh you know what like my own voice is okay like I'm kind of mm -hmm. kind of feel good about my own voice mm -hmm. but in the beginning I was so scared to show my own voice that I try that I sort of hid instinctively behind this imitation of someone else. Mm -hmm. um, this has happened in particular on one of my interviews. And my other interviews where I'd gotten more comfortable with just letting my own personality shine are so much better. Mm. And so let, listen to what other people are doing who you admire, take notes on that, and then be yourself. And mm. then let it roll, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose it kind of feeds back into that, just building that sense of confidence and getting over that initial anxiety. And yeah, when once you've got some experience, you, you can feel a bit more comfortable relaxing and, and letting your own personality come through. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so just to, to wrap up, I think it would be foolish of me to, to speak with you and not to ask you about what, what you're really interested in in terms of what's going on in the industry right now. So I just wanted to, to get your take on if there's anything happening within podcasting that you think our listeners should, should be aware of right now. Well, I think, um, you know, for me, something I'm really passionate about, which we already touched on, is diverse voices. Mm -hmm. So, and I would say, you know, I just read uh, Kristen Meinzer's book, uh, So You Want to Start a Podcast. And it's a great book for people who are, um, even people who have podcasts already, I highly recommend it. Obviously, I enjoyed it, and I've mm -hmm. already been podcasting. Um, but in it, she has a chapter on diverse voices. And I found it to be, she just, she doesn't mince words. She says, She's very clear in her advice. If you are, if you want to include diverse voices, do the thing that you are afraid to do, which is to 
Google what you're looking for. If you're mm-hmm. looking for Asian American voices, Google that. Asian American, uh, you know, expert on blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, people of color who understand blankety blank. You know, mm-hmm. just take that step. Don't be shy. Put out a call that's just very clear about what you're looking for. If you really want to include diverse voices, don't shy away from voicing that desire. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you don't, this, it's so much, the path of least resistance is the path of no diversity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, you know, so that would be, that's something that I definitely have my eye on. And, you know, there's so much good work being done by all, by people of all different backgrounds and we should be embracing them. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so thanks very much again, Sky, for taking the time to, to speak with us today. Um, Absolutely. Really this was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks. <laughs>